Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. And welcome to this Bad Batch spoiler review episode from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! I love it. We're back at it again. Of course, we are joined by the lovely Laura Kelly, who is joining us after skipping out last week because of uh, situations, but she's so glad to have her back. And this is a heck of an episode. To have her back on the show with, of course, Solitary Clone. This one, so many people are talking about this one and uh, just uh, telling how great it was and what a sea change it kind of signals for the Bad Batch here going into season two. So we're going to break it all down here on this episode, but let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies, Shannon. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of mine and Mr. the absent Mr. Vogel's current work on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season two. Season one's on there too, but season two is the newer one. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, Michael couldn't make the show for tonight because he's got another meeting that he is doing, but we will handle, we will hold down the fort and handle the breakdown of this episode Joining us, as I just mentioned, of course, one half of the Force Toast pod, one half of the Jedi way, and the better half of the three, or the better third of the three of us here on the show, the great Laura Kelly. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very excited. I'm particularly excited to talk about this episode. I'm sorry that I had to miss uh, last week, but gotta say, I was just slightly underwhelmed by the premiere of this season. Okay. It kind of sounds like I, you guys had a little bit of that, too, from what I heard from your review. But yeah. I am so excited to talk about this one because this one, like, it had it had my attention the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. The Solitary Clone here, episode three of season two. So much happening in this one with Crosshair. Nary a Clone Force 99 sighting in this particular episode. What a fascinating decision to make this early in the season to make it. We've been talking about, Shannon, in our previous review, how we hadn't seen Crosshair at all in the first two episodes to get an entire Crosshair Commander Cody two-hander here throughout this episode was a really interesting thing to experience for sure. And some of the music here, getting that Kenobi vibe, which uh, was kind of influenced by the Blade Runner vibe. So getting that music kind of running through it a little more darker than we're used to seeing on Bad Batch was another element of this that I found really fascinating, interesting. What did you think overall of The Solitary Clone? 
I mean, this is definitely, granted, we're only three episodes in, but this is definitely the best episode of season two. And I would say this is one of the better episodes of the entire series. And I also think it kind of justifies what they did because I, as Laura said, I mean, it was, it was fun. Like, Hey, that was, that was a fun, fun couple of episodes. I do think it served to be a little bit of a reacquaintance with the bad batch, with Mm -hmm. Omega, with our heroes, um, and kind of let the audience know where they are. Like, Hey, this is, this is the situation right now. And now we know, I mean, they're still, they're still doing these missions for Sid. Um, Then we get to catch up with Crosshair and we get to see the stark contrast, what his life has become in the wake of being fully excised from the Bad Batch. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a ton of Vice Admiral Rampart, but we're getting, we're, you know, the doors opening more and more and more into this kind of fascinating Imperial officer who, you know, I do have a, a bit, of, a bit of an interest in because it's voiced by my buddy, Noshir Dalal. Yeah. Um, but I just thought the emotional moments that were in this, I mean, obviously I thought the action was great. A lot of, a lot of clever stuff, especially you, you get to see what a badass crosshair is compared to your normal clone troopers but it also gives you a sense of what life is like for the clones post the post the empire coming Mm -hmm. to power and so many great visuals and i mean again just so much so much emotion in this episode i mean i think crosshair is going to go thus far is going to go on the most interesting emotional journey this season Yeah, it seems like he's the darker of all of the uh, members of the Clone Force 99, Laura. And certainly seeing him, this idea of him waking up in this solitary bed with this one light. I was getting the, I was getting those Andor vibes a little bit as I was seeing kind of a prison cell, in essence, what he's in, sitting in that cafeteria, the clown, the clones, rather than the clowns, the clones moving away from him. And then later when he's back in the cafeteria again by himself, this idea, as they said, the solitary clone and what he's experiencing here. And then what happens when he's, and he's repeating the same stuff. He is still a soldier. He is still committed to the cause. But at the end, we hear Rampart say, it seems it's funny how all these clones seem to be moving away from you. Uh, it seems odd to me. And maybe laying the groundwork for why they turn to go and get uh, other or human beings or other species to be stormtroopers over the clones, seeing how they're willing to go AWOL and desert the Empire. So what did you think overall of what we got here in this episode? You know, it was really great kind of feeling like we were right back in the Clone Wars. It mm. felt very much like a Clone Wars episode. You know, we didn't have any of the main squad or Omega at all, which there's, you know, I, I don't really mind those, honestly. Last season or last ep- the last episodes I thought were great. It was great to get reacquainted. But I really enjoy this very quick uh, sort of sudden departure into new territory. Um, I think that Crosshair's journey is going to be incredibly interesting. He had a, he already had a really interesting journey last season. And I think we're going to continue on this great road with him. He's just kind of a different sort of character. I think it's going to be this like sort of constant push and pull. We're going to see a little bit of like maybe him having some of those regrets. I feel like we see a little bit of it here. I just went, I went back and watched the very last episode of last season and watched the end where Omega tells him, you know, like you're their brother, you're my brother too. And I'm just like, I feel like you can just see it a little bit on his face. And I'm just, I'm pulling for crosshair. I really am. And I was, you know, you mentioned the, you mentioned the music. The music in this episode, I'm, 
there is no bad Star Wars music. Let's put that out. There just there just isn't. That's just not a thing. But Kevin Kiner Star Wars music is yeah. just it. It's like top tier for me, man. And I am so happy to be back in Star Wars animation with those Kiner scores. Those horns, like in the end credits, like it'll just tear your heart out. If for some reason people are watching this series and they haven't watched Rebels yet, oof, when they put those horns to use in the Rebel scores, you guys, it hurts. So I was getting a lot about a lot of like emotion just watching the end credits of this episode alone. <laughs> but the whole thing I thought was just fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I, I really had a great time watching this one. Just really caught up. This one, this one checked all the boxes. I like the darker Star Wars. I like the edgier stuff. I like the um, how could the morally ambiguous moments that happen in Star Wars. Certainly, Commander Cody not shooting uh, the governor there and then having Crosshair do, it. and you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming, and it still affected you when it happened. They didn't need to show it. Just seeing that uh, uh, weapon fall to the ground and hearing the sound was enough. And then having the back and forth with him and Cody there in front of that wall, uh, uh, talking about, you know, the difference between us and battle droids kind of putting shooting holes for lack of a better term in crosshairs logic. We're soldiers. We just do what we're told is the difference between us and battle droids. We can actually make our own decisions. So your argument doesn't hold weight. And so there's a lot here that I think, as you said, Laura, we're slowly seeing possibly, you know, Star Wars loves a redemption arc, it the does. redemption of Crosshair <laughs> in this situation. So we'll see. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into the episode here as we go along. We start out on uh, some uh, planets here that we don't know just yet. Sirens are blaring and Imperial ship approaches uh, with Governor Groton on board, who is coming to take over this planet. We find out that the planet is called Desix and Tawny Ames is the governor there who introduces herself to them. Uh, the Empire tries to take it over. She ain't having it. And then we cut to Crosshair waking up on a base here. He goes to sit with other clones, as I mentioned, who are talking about this defense bill that didn't get passed or they hope doesn't get passed. And they all move away from Crosshair. And then we hear CT-9904 over the intercom here uh, has been called to Vice Admiral Rampart's office. We find out that he has been medically cleared for duty. Uh, and uh, Rampart asks him how long he was left on that platform. As Laura mentioned, at the end of the final episode of uh, season one and it was apparently for 32 rotations and was committed to the cause which is why he didn't run why he didn't leave he knew eventually he would get picked up and have to be in service of the empire rampart sends him to this planet desix to fight governor ames and to save governor Groton, who has apparently been captured by the forces there uh, in, uh that desix has under her command uh but he is being sent under a new commander because Rampart is not ready to hand him control of another hmm. squad because we saw what happened last season. Um, and I just wrote here, the score is fantastic and dark AF. And we find out that it is Commander Cody who is going to be in charge uh, and as he walks up. So let's stop there. Shannon, I'll start with you. What an intro. You know, seeing that solitary light, seeing him eating alone, seeing uh, getting a new planet here in Desix, getting a new Governor Groton here, coming in, trying, taking all those kind of stuff over. But then seeing this argument about we're a separatist planet. We are not part of the Empire. We're doing our own thing. Why are you all hassling us and seeing what it's leading to, which is Crosshair being sent on this mission? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's so much fun when, like, this 
filling in the gaps of Star Wars, filling yeah. in those gaps that were left by the movies. And this is a, another section that's just a blast to see because you get to see how other planets reacted to the Imperial takeover of the galaxy. Yeah. When they, when, <laughs> the great back and forth between Ames and Groton, where she says, you know, we told you, we're not, we're not a part of the Republic. We're not a part of the Empire. And he's like, your message was received, reviewed, and rejected. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just such great, corporate speak yep and seeing that like the the arrogance and and again we we talked a lot about that in andor is sort of the the uh arrogance of the empire and how they were not prepared for this group of people on desks that are willing to fight yeah and immediately you know their their governor elect gets taken hostage um love all the work with crosshair i mean just they did such a great job framing him just the isolation and also, when they're in that cafeteria, it really runs in stark contrast to, you know, Bad Batch season one, when we see Clone Force 99 in that very full cafeteria with clones. Like, we see yeah. it's much less populated now. Clones have died. Clones have gone AWOL. It is a much different atmosphere. Yeah. There's just a chilliness, not just to Crosshair, but just to the whole environment. Like, this is, this is a different world that crosshair is living in and them have in those two clones having that discussion about, you know, this, this, you know, defense bill. And if it doesn't like, they don't want it to pass because if it passes they're they are going to be pushed out the door. Yeah. And even though like I had my issues with the Obi-Wan series, I mean, one of my favorite parts was seeing, you know, the, the, the clone trooper, Tamara Morrison, the, the homeless clone trooper, the yeah. veteran asking, you know, and, and this is where some of those clone troopers are going to be headed. Um, as Crosshair meets meets with Rampart again, I'm I'm very partial to my buddy. Um, but the dismissiveness that Rampart has, and how he really looks at these clones as things, hmm. like he doesn't look at them as people. When he's like, you know, how long, you know, that whole, how long did you wait <laughs> on that platform? Thirty two rotations. Oh, and he still came back. Huh, how about that? I mean, it's it's almost like he's talking about a dog. Like, oh, really, you, you know, the dog got beat that much and still came back. Huh? How about that? And then when he, the again, the dismissiveness of like when he says, you know, who am I commanding? He's like, oh, you know, no, no, we're not going to let you play commander. I mean, the the deliberate um, wording of that line play. We're not going to let you, not not be commander. We're not going to let you play commander because ultimately you are the playthings of the Empire. Um, you know, real nice scene between Cody and Crosshair, just the whole setup. Uh, again, the first two episodes were a lot of fun. You could just feel this episode was just different. Yeah, certainly. And seeing the battle droids repackaged or repurposed, in essence, we so, we know the K2SO gets changed from an Imperial droid to a droid that is friendly to uh, to, to Andor there. So that kind of maybe a little bit of a sub, a little bit of a hint of that here as we're seeing these battle droids repurposed uh, on Desix. But also, uh, Laura, this idea of what Shannon was bringing up, in the cafeteria that used to be full, remember there was a fights there at uh, in last season. Now it feels like I don't know if any, any of you who are watching right now, when a uh, when all of a sudden there's massive layoffs and you go back to work and a lot of your buddies aren't there anymore, a lot of the people you used to work with aren't there anymore. It feels weird. It's got a whole other vibe. And Shannon was so right to point that out. What do you think about this whole intro as we're laying the groundwork for what we're going to get here uh, as the episode goes along? 
You know, my favorite part of this introduction was really Tawny Ames. I mean, that yeah. scene with, with, with Crosshair waking up alone and being in the, the cafeteria was just so depressing. So I'm just like, I have to like look away sometimes <laughs> um, watching, trying to rewatch it. But I really thought Tawny Ames was such a cool character when we yeah. got our first introduction to her in the trailer. And I just, I remember all of the speculation of like, who is this character with the helmet, with the like robotic voice? Like, what is what is this new you know introduction that we're going to get in this show and she's there and gone in 20 minutes yeah. and it just bums me out so much um and, and you know i think if we'd had more time with the character it would have been nice to like leave her helmet on a little bit longer like mm. let's draw out the suspense of like who is this character and you know but then she's she's just gone and it's too bad but um i i, I liked her a lot i thought it was cool and she um the fact that she you know answers the sort of front door of whatever structure castle whatever this is on on desix and is told that yeah no you have been relieved of your title it just gave us some really i think interesting insight into what the separatists really sort of went through and we just didn't spend a ton of time on that during the clone wars we spent a little time with it uh mina bonteri gets a shout out i think in some of these early scenes and um it was so it was interesting to sort of see like oh, okay so this is related to sort of that journey that Padme went on and took Ahsoka with her to sort of uh, cross the battle lines and meet with the other side and realize that they are in fact human. And the fact that we're sort of revisiting that already now on two different separatist planets in the first three episodes of the show, um, I think is really interesting sort of drawing the lines of, you know, if you weren't sure that the empire is on the wrong side here, here you go. This yeah. is really what it is. But um, Crosshair on the platform for 32 days. Again, I went back and watched the last part of the last episode of season one. He's not left with anything. He doesn't have a bag. He barely has anything on the utility belt. It is him and his armor. And that is it. I'm like, how did you survive for 32? Interesting. Good yeah. for him. <laughs> well, not just his armor, his bag, his thoughts, you know, yeah. sitting there for 32 rotations as well. What? Is that where this beginning of the possible redemption of Crosshair begins as he's sitting there waiting so long for the Empire to show up and get him? And, you know, we all, well, not all, but a lot of us have been in those codependent relationships or in those toxic relationships. And you just go like, you're just kind of repeating the same pattern till eventually something breaks. So you wonder and you hopefully find your way out. So you wonder if maybe this is a little bit of that kind of in a, in a very subtle way being portrayed. So, uh, but let's take a quick break and we'll jump into the next section of the show right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Okay, let's move on to the next section. All right, as I said, we see him and we see Commander Cody walk up here and we hear them talk about Clone Force. We see them talk about Clone Force 99 and we hear that more and more clones are rejecting Order 66. So, kind of reaffirming what we saw in the cafeteria here as a lesson, less of them are a part of this. And remember, Commander Cody is the one who gave the order to kill Kenobi, Commander Co and even though he was second in command to Kenobi. So being being motivated by that chip inside their heads. Uh, but Crosshair calls all these people, all these clones who are against 
the order traitors and he says like the jedi so he says a very uh <laughs> dripping with anger towards the jedi cody gives them the mission details a little bit later and we hear about the battle plans we hear that groton is being kept uh there on desix um and uh she uh, they mentioned that oh and we go back to ames as you said and she talks about she mentions dooku here we go, Dooku again. For God's sake, just give me the show already. Stop hinting around at Dooku and give me the show already. But she mentions that Dooku was right and that he predicted the Galactic Empire coming into uh, existence. So very interesting. And she knows the Galactic dele delegation that's coming. That's uh, what was being, um, what it, that is what um, uh, Commander Cody and Crosshair are arriving in. She knows it's a trap. And so she sets this all up and she shoots down the ship the battle droids check it out. They, of course, because they're incompetent buffoons, they say that it's clear without even looking through the whole ship, and they are quickly killed by everybody who is alive, which is most of the crew and Crosshair and the Commander Cody. Crosshair spots a tank because uh, they want to kind of get on out of the situation, and he leads Cody and the team into position. They shoot the tank, blow it up, clear the way. A battle ensues with the battle droids. Crosshair figures out there's a droid giving them orders. Desix goes to secure Groton as her droid recommends going into protocol four uh then the droids show up to fight crosshair cody and the team this is a fun back and forth up until crosshair shoot uses that uh um uh, thing that uh, commander cody throws up there to do one of those trick shots out of the hustler and kills that droid who was commanding everybody uh there so let's stop at this moment laura a lot of action here a lot of conversations about the about where we're going about who's still on board who isn't on board commander Cody clearly um, conflicted about hearing about knowing about all these clones kind of leaving, having his own thoughts as well. And we see crosshair slowly do what he does best, which is take control of a military situation and take his shots and be calm, even though he's being shot at by a tank. Exactly. And we've got this amazing looking battle memorial. And mm. I think this is oh, another right. thing we may have gotten a peek of in the trailer, but seeing it in these, just absolutely gorgeous shots was so cool. It just was in it, you know, sad, but also just absolutely beautiful. And I, I really like that we had these two sort of contrasting characters standing right in front of it, having these converse, these very meaningful conversations. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, that we got Cody back at all is just so cool on its surface. Um, but getting to sort of see these two very different and yet two very sort of similar characters went through a lot of the same stuff, get to team up in this situation. I thought was great. Um, I thought it was a great, it was just a, I think the perfect move and the perfect place to bring Cody back into the story. Um, the coming back to where, you know, where we are on Desix, um, when Ames is alerted to this shovel, this shuttle arriving and she tells, you know, the Imperial, the Imperials that like, you know, it looks like they've chosen not to negotiate and, tells uh groton how unfortunate for you i was getting like bane in the dark knight rises vibe where he's <laughs> telling ben mendelson that would be very painful for you it just was it was perfect um i i love that uh the line delivery and the way that they set that up it was just that perfect. would be very painful <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes i was not going to do the bane impression but Please, I you gotta do it. <laughs> not doing it uh <laughs> um you know 
as much as we know, you know, what Crosshair's sort of specialty is as a clone, I feel like it's just, and you know, maybe we didn't get a ton of it sort of in the final episodes of season one, but we haven't got a ton of like him sort of on showing those really special talents on display. And man, when he shoots that Separatist tank yeah. right down the barrel, like, damn, son, like we got Crosshair <laughs> in action in this episode and it was so amazing. I mean, not to mention where he's using like i don't know when we get the we get the droidicas back to which every single time i see yeah. a droidica on screen i'm just all i can think is like how i would panic and just die if i ever came face to face with one of those so i'm always impressed with how they come up with new ways for our characters to somehow come out alive um when faced against these very silly rolling death balls as ahsoka calls them in the Wars <laughs> movie <laughs> um but yeah we've got the the cool thing in the tower where they're climbing the tower and he's got the i don't know is it a mirror it's a puck it's something where he's shooting and the bullets ricocheting i don't know it's cool i love it i hope we get more of it in this season i hope we get more of crosshair in action this was just it was such a thrill to get to see them lead this you know these droids sort of lead them on a merry chase yeah uh shannon your thoughts on this you know seeing the battle droids in action again roger roger all these guys what did, what did you think about how they how this all went down how um ames was able to figure out what was happening here and launch the offensive in s because i mean grod's like well you know we're gonna find out later ames says, oh I, I knew you guys were coming to attack us you were not coming to do any kind of peaceful negotiations so certainly she's one step ahead in this situation but the Empire is like being five on one, right? You may be able to fight them off for a little while, but eventually the numbers get to you. And in this situation, she's trying her best to maybe make a claim, make a stand here to kind of intimidate the Empire, not to come after them. But of course, having Crosshair there, having Commander Cody there, they're the clones leading the way. Um, you know, the time it's only a matter of time before they get to her. So what do you think about this whole battle sequence here and how everything went down and the conversations, of course, between Cody and Crosshair about the clones deserting? Well, I mean, totally agree with Laura about the scene in front of the memorial. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you, you, it, you know, kind of harkens to, you know, the wall in D.C., yeah, um, right. you know, for, uh, for the Vietnam War. Yeah. And uh, along with that, that giant kind of structure, statue, pillar where you see the the stormtrooper, the, you know, the, the Sarge of a stormtrooper sort of coming out of it. Just really um, artistically, just, you know, really, really beautiful. Um, but also the conversation, as you said, John, like mm-hmm. the whole thing where he's talking about, yeah, what, Cody's like, yeah, Clone Force 99, heard they took off. And even though Crosshair is not on good terms with his brothers, he does defend them slightly where he's yeah. just like, hey, Reg's, Reg's dessert too. Like, <laughs> like we're not we're not the only assholes here. <laughs> like there, there's assholes, everybody. <laughs> there's assholes everywhere. Um but then, you know, as they as they come in to Desix, you know, I really did like that moment uh, when uh, Ames r- removes her helmet and that reference to Dooku. Like, yeah. I, I love the fact that between Tales of the Jedi and thus far in season two of The Bad Batch, how much attention, how, how much Dooku is being brought up. And, you know, it, it's... What's so interesting is obviously we're enjoying the story as being as it's being presented, yeah. but as 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 the audience, as fans, we're constantly thinking about the rest of Star Wars history, and we think, how much did Dooku know? Yeah, like did he know what Palpatine? Did he have any idea what how how much he was a pawn in Palpatine's game? And that's what's just that's what's so 
fantastic and fascinating about this era of Star Wars where, you know, not everything lands perfectly, but these little moments, yeah. things like that, where it's just like, God, you know, you, you, you watch those movies through a different lens. And I think, again, that's just what that's what's so great about uh, the Star Wars that we're getting right now. The whole attack. Awesome. As Laura said, <laughs> the cool as a cucumber uh, demeanor that Crosshair has, like he is deliberately missing. He's just trying to get that tank to turn its cannon towards him. And you see yeah. he's just so calm. And the sound design of a blaster bolt going straight down that thump, and the immediate bang. <laughs> I mean, it was just so... Again, it's so cathartic. It's like, oh, that's so freaking cool. <laughs> but then the whole ricochet shot, uh, oh. I mean, that's that's the greatest. And, you know, we talk about how, as, as you said, John, eventually the Empire will just overwhelm you. Yeah. In this battle, that victory doesn't happen if not for Crosshair. I mean, right. Cody's even saying, like, that tank's going to pick us off. Like, we got we got to figure out something. No, no. There's a, there's a plan. Um, but just <laughs> when he's got that second puck and he's like, where do you want me? To, how far do you want me to throw this far? And just the ricochet effect, taking out the tactical droid. This again, this episode, I'm, I'm gushing <laughs> over this episode. Um, yeah. Just all awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, crosshair understanding the situation. That's what I mean. Sometimes the numbers, uh, can be about amount or can be about knowledge. And certainly having Crosshair on your team gives you an incredible advantage in this situ in a situation like this because the Empire will just keep coming and keep sending people until they get their way, right? And so you see that here with Crosshair and Commander Cody. And I think, and again, this whole, it's is kind of a darker uh, attack. Everything's kind of a darker uh, feeling throughout the whole episode. And I like that kind of conveying what's going on in Crosshair's mind, the darkness in Crosshair's mind kind of fuzziness kind of not being able to see clearly just yet what's going on in his mind so i think it mirrors the journey crosshair is on as well even though he's being very smart in how he's figuring this because he's the one that goes there's a tactical droid that's telling them where to go we need to kill that tactical droid if we're going to win this thing so he figures out how to get into that situation uh, all right let's take a quick break and we'll jump into the last section of the show or the episode rather right after this those are good. I like that. Those are good. All right. Let's jump into this here. Uh, eventually, uh, Cody and Crosshair make it to the governor in Groton. Uh, Cody tries to talk, aims into surrendering in order to avoid more bloodshed. She tells him that peace was never an option and mentions that she and her colleague, Mina Bontari, put forth a treaty that was agreed upon by the separatists and Republican senators to end the war, and Palpatine rejected it. And remember, Mina Bont uh, uh, Bontari was a senator for Onderon during the time of the Galactic Senate. So she was, uh, and she was also a mentor to Padme Amidala and uh, Bonteri eventually joined up with Dooku and the Separatists. So here we go, Dooku again. Anyway, Ames does eventually listen to Cody. Cody gets through to her. He puts the gun down, takes his helmet off, says, hey, hey, we're all friends here. I, I promise peace is an option here. Um, and she relents, Ames does, lets Groton go. And Groton immediately, because he's a little bitch, says, kill Ames, kill Ames right now. And, and Cody doesn't want to do it. Because he says, I promised peace. But Groton said, you did. I didn't kill her. And while they're having this debate, uh, Crosshair ices her. Uh, and we see it, as I said, kind of off camera and carries out the death sentence. Um, and we see them all take off. And we see Commander Cody 
having hesitation before he gets on the ship. We see Crosshair just kind of walk by him, uh, looking at him, I think, a little bit like uh, he's beneath him a little bit as he walks up. And we see Cody see the other ships show up with their multiple uh, droids there, clones there, uh, sorry, and uh, coming in to take over Desix. So it lets that all sink in, and then we go back to the Battle Memorial. It's so awesome to see kind of a bit of a uh, ending up where you started out here in front of the Battle Memorial. Cody asks Crosshair if they are really making the galaxy a better place. Crosshair says that good soldiers follow order. Cody replies that clones are different from battle droids, as I said, because they can make their own decisions, and he walks off. And, you know, we kind of, in your mind, as you're watching, you're like, he's going to take off, isn't he? Well, later, we cut to, once again, a repeating of this opening of crosshair with the light coming on him waking up staring at his helmet rubbing his head he's eating alone again gets called in the ramparts office and rampart uh, says this time that he is sending him on another mission here tells him who he's reporting to and he says wait a minute that's not commander cody's designation and rampart says oh yeah cody's gone awol kind of like shannon was mentioning Kind of like almost like he's observing it rather than actually feeling the situation. Um, and that tells him he's going. So we see that this is the end of the episode. We see this change now in Crosshair's face. Crosshair's, and then Rampart says, it's funny how all these clones are deserting you and you're still kind of hanging around. So very interesting comments by Rampart as we end the episode. Remember that first battle memorial that's there is a tribute to the clone, uh, the clone troopers who died during the first battle of the Clone Wars on Geonosis. Uh, so, Shannon, I'll go back to you. What a way to end this episode. The death of Ames, the back and forth of Cody and Crosshair in front of the battle memorial, and then Crosshair being essentially left alone by his last remaining connection, in essence, to what he had known before, with Cody now going AWOL and what he's left with. What do you think about this whole ending of the episode? I mean, great standoff and something that we that we didn't mention before that first conversation that Crosshair and Cody had was uh, Cody's very casual, casually stating good soldiers follow orders. Like, you know, I mean, literally reciting Order 66. Yeah. And as he is negotiating in good faith with Ames and the moment that Groton gets away and saying, all right, kill her. Kill. Like he, yeah. he's, he is ordering, he is ordering this soldier to, to kill, to kill this person. It's like, I can't like, you know, we just, I just did this thing. We can't do that. And again, a little telegraphed, but I mean, it was still really, really effective. Yeah. And, you know, we find out that, okay, he, good soldiers don't always necessarily follow orders because that was not the act of a good soldier. Right. And as those uh, troopers were getting off, to me, John, those were not clone troopers. Those were the replacements. Oh, like, I, okay. I don't know how we can delineate. I, I don't know if the armor is different. Interesting. Yeah. But to me, those are the replacements. These okay. are the guys who are fighting for money, and Fair so enough. they're going to do what they're they're going to do what they're told because they want to get paid. That makes um, that moment even more resonant for Cody to see how quickly they're being replaced. Yeah, good point. I mean, and, and I could be wrong, but that is that is how I took it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a great. Great scene back and forth, back in the back in the memorial, back on the memorial wall, mirroring the scene before. Yeah. And again, we we get that that isolation, that solitude of Crosshair. And when he goes back to see Rampart again, when he asks, you know, why why am I not going back to Cody? And again, it's that he thinks of them as things. Yeah, a thing doesn't have a name. A thing has a number. And he's like Cody. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> and. 
And he's just like, oh, no, no. Oh, and just the, again, the dismissiveness, like, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, apparently, apparently went AWOL. Yeah, he's gone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I really hope that Rampart is, is going to be the big bad that it seems like he's going to be. Because thus far, I mean, it's just such an interesting, interesting point of view on the clones. Mm -hmm. And when inevitably Crosshair ends up back with Clone Force 99, with his brothers, and that eventual standoff that they might have with uh, Rampart, it seems like it's going to be, it seems like it's going to be very satisfying. But again, this whole episode, to me, this is like an Emmy episode. Like this is an award. You can completely watch this by itself. I mean, you need to have some context but it's just so well done. You have a little bit of levity with the battle droids, but never too much to where it gets silly. Right. Um, just a really, really great episode. Yeah, we see the gulf become even bigger between the clones and the non-clones here, Laura, in that situation. I think Shannon is very astutely pointing out about how uh, Rampart is addressing this. Oops. Uh, sorry <laughs> I was going to ask Laura, did John disappear on your screen too? <laughs> He did. Uh, I think maybe we've hit the wall with my camera here because I've been doing six shows today. So maybe we've hit the wall with what we hit. So I'll try to stay on as long as I can. But Laura, your thoughts on all of this? Uh, go ahead. You know, there's one line in particular where, or uh, you know, where oh. I think there, there you are. Now he's back. Yeah. He's yeah. he's halfway back. Um, Cody is telling Ames that the Empire's goal is to establish peace and order through the galaxy, and it just instantly took me back to Tala and Obi Wan and how there were all of these characters throughout this this you know long story who really did think or really believed in the empire and thought that they were they were doing the right thing and yeah. we know for a while that cody was one of them and till the end of this episode where he's clearly not but it's you know he really does seem to believe it in that sense and you know he he's convincing enough that she actually he, he actually does convince her to let groton go yeah. um and I, I love her her line delivery, of course, when uh, she's ordered to be executed. You know, peace was never an option. Again, I just wish we could get more of this character because I thought she was so interesting. And that line delivery in particular was great. It may have been in the trailer. Maybe not. Maybe I don't remember. Um, but the fact that Cody and Crosshair do in that moment put down their weapons and Cody takes off his helmet and tries to have this conversation and reason with her. And we kind of knew it was coming, you know, we could see it coming. We knew he was told uh, that Crosshair was told you're sort of being sent under the guise of a diplomatic solution here, but you know what you're expected to do. Right? You know why I'm sending you a sniper, right? Like you understand. We knew it was coming and he did it and it still broke my heart. The fact that he, he still was the one that, that chose to fire his weapon in that situation uh, after Cody had deescalated everything. It was just so sad. Um, so yeah, ending up, of course, back at the Battle Memorial, I think at the end of this episode was just so perfect, um, just because, not only because it was a great, you know, poetic ending, but the fact that we just get to see again, I mean, really, this is just, it's such a fantastic scene, and the fact that they give us so much time and, like, sort of a a wide camera shot of it is just so perfect. It, it's, it's just so great, and it gives us a great sort of insight, I think, into what's sort of go it gives us i think a great insight into the sort of mood of what's happening on coruscant um we get very little of it i think in a broad subtext but i think that we the fact that we get to see it at all i'm always excited to see coruscant but just these little moments with all the clones marching by and then we see some of the tk troopers marching by um you are right i think on desics those are a lot of the the stormtrooper helmets is more mm. so than the clone ones 
um, which is really heartbreaking to see. And the fact that we end up again in Crosshair's bunk, him waking up alone in the dark. It's all just so sad. And I'm really curious to see where we end up with Crosshair, where, you know, you mentioned it's sort of inevitable that we're going to end up with a reunion between him and the rest of Clone Force 99. My only hope is that they're not going to, like, somehow kill him off in an effort to give him a redemption arc. I really would like to see this this team reunite again at some point and actually have some time together before that ne- something inevitably takes out one of them. Yeah, I mean I think this this is where we come back to it if you can let me be a, a, you know just a floating head here in a second but <laughs> like this is I think this is the best I can do right now unfortunately there's this issues going on with my camera so I'm just going to have to do that. But yeah, I mean I I think what's fascinating too about this whole ending is that look Crosshair's not an idiot. Crosshair's a smart clone. He has thought for himself, has separated himself from Clone Force 99, but here he is seeing the kind of end results of this thought process of Good soldiers follow orders of the Order 66, seeing his brothers kind of going off and leaving or deserting or going AWOL, as you just saw with Commander Cody, who he just went on a mission on with, who was the second in command to Kenobi, seeing someone that important even leave, that's got to affect him. And the way Rampart, as Shannon pointed out, the way Rampart is treating him. In essence, like, uh, this is the only contact you have with anybody I'm just going to keep sending you on missions. You're just a tool for me to use. You're not in any way, shape, or form seen as an equal to me, as an as just as an entity. You're you're just a tool I use. No different than a hammer. No different than a car I drive around, or a, sorry, a vehicle I drive around or fly. You're just something to use when I need to use it. And so the, for lack of a better term, the dehumanization of him, I think, is also going to start to weigh on Crosshair as well, and he's going to realize his time of usefulness is also running out to the empire. So how are they going to walk that line between his, his legitimate um, uh, redemption and his other side of himself, his intelligent analysis that he is becoming surplus to needs and they may eventually deprogram him or kill him. The same people who have used him for so long. And I want to add another thing to this. This is how sometimes this is how soldiers think themselves in in real life soldiers who are just so committed to the cause then get used in these wars get used in these battles for other people's gains for politicians gains for military people's gains who are sitting back in the headquarters uh, kicking up and smoking a cigar they get used in these battles and they are essentially killed on the battlefield for the whims of whoever's in charge of the country or the army at that time so i think there's a lot of weight to that that's why I think that first battle memorial being there is not a coincidence that it's there to reflect what Shannon was saying, to evoke the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in D.C. Because a lot of people who went to Vietnam, that's the war that woke America up to this idea of how we use soldiers, how soldiers are uh, deployed and are they deployed for the right causes. So there's a lot of going on here in this episode beyond what we're seeing in the surface that I think is making commentary about how we view the military, how people who are in the military are viewed And sometimes people in the military, after a while being in the military, they do see themselves as tools and they sense the dehumanization of it. And and, and that does affect you. It leads to PTSD, it leads to mental health issues, all kinds of stuff. So I I found this episode to have so much meaning to it as I was watching it. And as you guys are talking about it, kind of opening my mind a little bit more about what I saw as well. So just, uh, just a fantastic episode on so many levels that, that kind of conveys so much for you to consider as you watch it 
uh, multiple times. Um, any final words on this one, Shannon? And I'll go back go back to Laura as well before we wrap up. Any final words? Anything we missed? Anything you want to make sure we hit? Uh, no, I mean, again, this this to me is an award winning episode of television. Uh, I mean, I, I put this up against some of the things that we see in live action. I, I, this this eclipses some of the live action episodes of Star Wars television. Um, this was just a really, really well crafted, well crafted, um, insulated story. And I hope we get, I, I, you know, I want Crosshair to be reunited, but at the same time, I hope we get a little bit more of this. Yeah, because Crosshair on his own is an interesting guy to follow. The moment he doesn't take the shot is the moment that we start to see what the change is for sure. That's the beginning of the redemption. And we wonder what that leads to. Laurie, make an excellent point. Are they going to kill him off to give him the, the redemption a la Kylo no. Ren? I don't know. So we'll see. But Laura, any final thoughts on this episode or anything we missed that you might want to make sure we highlight? I do want to shout out the writer of this episode, Amanda Rose Munoz. She uh, started, it looks like, as a script coordinator on Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Resistance and has now worked her way up to script supervisor on The Clone Wars Season 7, The Bad Batch, Tales of the Jedi, and a couple of Resistance episodes, too. So this looks like this is the first um, episode that she's written uh, that she's been, you know, actually given credit as the writer. And I am just so pumped for her because this episode is so great. So congratulations to her. It's a very, it's a huge accomplishment. This episode alone. Absolutely. Shout out to her for sure. And some good stuff going on with her name connected to it for sure. So that's, this is hopefully there are more episodes that she writes down the road for this season that we get to enjoy her talent in. Um, All right. Well, there you go. That's our spoiler review for episode three of season two, the solitary clone. We hope you enjoyed our analysis. What do we miss? What did you want to say about the episode? Let us know. Uh, as we, uh, as you listen to this, uh, as we're wrapping up this episode, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow the absent Michael Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Let me take the Mikey part. Please remember to subscribe to the channel down below. Hit that bell button. I'll say for my own personal thing, trying to double my subscribers by the end of the year. So let's get to 50,000. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe down below and hit that bell button as well. If you listen to the podcast and we are our own podcast feed, please leave us ratings and reviews there. Let us know that you're enjoying it. And of course, Big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com. Go get checked out today and download the app to have a doc in your POC for any healthcare questions and concerns and needs on the way. And a big, big, big shout out to Laura Kelly for joining us for this episode three discussion. As always, bringing some fantastic analysis and great astute observations of the things that we see here, Laura. You're so essential to all the Star Wars stuff we talk about. I'm telling you. We all three of us talk about it all the time how much we value your presence on the show. So thanks so much for coming in for episode three. Please let people know where they can find you and everything you got going on. That is so nice. Thank you so much for having me back, you guys. I really I enjoyed these conversations so much, and I look forward to Michael joining us back. Uh, hopefully in these future episodes, he and I were talking a lot today about the High Republic because that is the thing that I love to talk and tweet about. Um, you can find me doing that on Twitter at shutup underscore Laura. Um, often talking about it on the show that I host with my friend Alice called Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. You can find that podcast on all major podcast platforms. And of course, John and I host the Jedi way right here on his channel. Um, and we'll both be at Star Wars Celebration. So if you're also going to be at Star Wars Celebration, 
look out for us. We'll be there. Yes. Yes. I'm already counting up the dollars. My God. Yes. I was looking at Same. everything. And it's man. Oh man. Where is, so, where uh, is celebration this year? London. London. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, ticket was, the ticket was like 500 pounds, 450 pounds. So it was not cheap for the whole time. But we have also applied, Laura and I have applied for the Jedi way to have a um, show, to do a show there on the stage. So hopefully they will approve us uh, and we can do the show. And if anybody is there who has been a fan, they can stop by and listen to us do a live episode of what we're experiencing there at Celebration. Should be a lot of fun. All right. You all are awesome. Thanks so much for watching or listening to us. We appreciate it madly. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here, breaking down the Bad Batch from the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.